Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Grief Life. My name is Ashley Pendleton, and I'm with the VNA Northwest Indiana's Phoenix Center. I help coordinate children and family grief support groups. And I'm Sarah Kingsbury, the bereavement coordinator with the VNA Hospice of Northwest Indiana. I run adult grief support groups for any adult in the community. If you or someone you know is never in need of any grief support, our contact information is in the description. This is episode two of our Grief in the Holidays podcast series. Previously, we talked about how, um, if you're bereaved, how you can attend those holiday functions. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to support bereaved family members during the holidays. So the holidays are already a difficult times often for families because people like to celebrate them differently. Um, people like to... Yeah, if there's conflicts in families or tensions, those can um, are already there and they can be raised by a tragedy happening in someone's life, for example, a grief situation. So the best way to help support family members when they're feeling this way is to just really be there for them. You don't necessarily need to treat them differently, whisper to other family members while they're in the room. That's not what people need. Um, they really just need someone to listen to them and be there for them and support their decisions during this time. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think so you want to acknowledge the the absence of the person or the change, but you don't want to make that the focal point of the holiday, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, and through that, there might be, as we talked in our last episode, there might be some changes that need to be made in order to uh, help the bereaved person during the holidays. They might not want to celebrate different traditions. They might want to forge new ones, perhaps in the name of their loved one. The best thing to do for trying to support them is to listen to them and ask some questions. Because I feel like a lot of times people assume instead of just asking. For sure. And I think um, with family members, we sometimes think, I know this person so well, but with the loss of a person, because that is a whole different experience and a whole change in your life, they may not be thinking the same way that they, you think you know them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, it can be difficult to sometimes set aside those thoughts that you have about that, that person, but it's helpful to try your best to be reflective of uh, the situation of yourself, maybe how you're feeling as well, because because just because you're trying to help someone and support their grief doesn't mean that maybe you're not also feeling some sort of grief. Maybe not for the person that they lost, but you might be feeling it because you are grieving like you're grieving the loss of what the holiday used to be. Yeah, for sure. And I think just trying to gain an understanding of where that person's coming from like we said in episode one, they might have, they might come from like a reactive state. They might become defensive of things that are said. Um, but just, you know, not taking things personally and coming from a place of understanding and looking 
trying to put yourself in their shoes kind of, um, it can be supportive too, you know, saying, you know what, I, I don't have the same experiences you're having, but I'm trying to understand what that might be like for you right now. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really important difference to mention. Um, the difference between trying to understand and saying you understand, because everyone's experience is different. You may have lost a similar person in your life, um, but the difference is you had a completely different experience with that person that you lost than the one that you're trying to support. So it's best to kind of realize that everyone is different. You're not going to completely understand and that's okay. All you can do is try your best by listening and trying to just be there for them. Along those lines, it's important to not leave not leave communication just solely up to the person who is grieving because during that time, they don't want to, I, in many situations, people feel like they're a burden. And I've heard this through groups that I've done that they feel like they're a burden to their families for trying to communicate. Of course they're not, but it's difficult to get out of that state to think that you are. So to kind of help that reaching out to them in this time and trying to communicate is incredibly important. Yeah, I think that's a really good point too, is um, I've heard that as well in groups. Well, people want me to move on or get past it and they don't want to, you know, sometimes make the efforts. And I do feel like a burden because I, I am still struggling with my grief, but by, you know, trying to communicate with that person, you've let them decide if they want to have a conversation, Mm -hmm. you know, and you've given them the control to say, Hey, this is what I want to continue sharing, or this is, or I don't want to talk about it, you know, but at least the effort was made and um, definitely opening the door for more communication will help them feel like maybe I'm not such a burden and maybe people do want to hear what I have to say. And that'll allow them to open up and, you know, continue through their grief journey. Yeah, that's exactly right. And there also can be some sort of fear associated with reaching out to your breed family member, just because we're raised in a society where grief is quite taboo. So we have innate feelings, no matter how much we try, that we feel like we're going to make the situation worse, or we're scared of the idea of grief. It's not something to be scared about. It's something to approach like anything um, with an open mind and um, a listening ear. So if you're scared about reaching out, just try to keep that in mind when you talk to people, because it's better to reach out and make a small mistake and apologize for it than to not reach out at all and leave someone that you love alone during the holidays. I would 100% agree with that. Um you know, when I first began this role as bereavement coordinator, it was a bit of like, how are people going to, are they going to think I'm bothering them because I'm calling them? And nine times out of 10, they are so appreciative, just the phone call to say, I'm checking in on you. And I feel like anybody would appreciate that, you know, especially our loved ones, like, even if they don't want to open up and share, just knowing like, hey, they care enough to ask, how am I doing? And mean it. And mean it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So 
um, people just want to sometimes have someone listen to them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the most important things we can do for people who are grieving is give them an opportunity to have someone listen. Yeah. And are there any tips that you found that's helped you as an active listener during groups when you're facilitating? I would say just allowing them to say everything that they need to say. Don't interrupt um, is like the biggest one because sometimes that might be the only opportunity that they have to, to get things off their chest and what they've been dealing with is to be in that group. Um, so just allowing them to say completely everything that they need to say at that time. And to add on to that, kind of drawing back to what we were saying a bit earlier, listening without judgment and assumption as well. Yeah. Um, it's sometimes easy to, to sit there and try and come up with a response or offer advice based on our assumptions of what this person's situation is, but that's not what we're, what we mean by supporting our loved ones. You, if they ask for advice, that's different, but sitting there and listening, asking them questions is really the way to have that active listening conversation. Yeah. And I think it's important to not try to plan what you're, how you're going to respond to the person, because then you're not focusing on what they're saying. You're just listening oh, like, well, now I need to say this, but that takes away from the ability to connect and really gain an empathetic understanding of their experience. Yeah. That's a really good point. I also think instead of kind of going back to what I said a little bit, instead of assuming, I kind of mentioned asking those questions and it, it's okay to ask a clarifying question too, because it doesn't mean that you're not listening. If anything, it shows that you are listening to clarify and say, is this right? Am I interpreting this right? Um, or to add, or to dig a little bit deeper, say, why are why do you think you're feeling this way? It helps sometimes to get the other person to think about really what they're feeling. And it's good to have um, that person as kind of like a backboard to bounce off of. Yeah, because like you said, you know, we don't want to make assumptions and we can interpret things differently than what how the person meant them to come across. And so it's important to make sure we do clarify and um, have an understanding. And that might help the other family members who might've been assuming the same thing, you know, like, oh, well, I thought they were meaning it this way when actually it wasn't as bad as I thought. So that helps me know like, hey, maybe I need to ask questions differently sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Another way that you can do that is by rephrasing or summarizing what the person said. You can say, oh, you said this, this, and this. Is this right? And then that can help you. That can show what your understanding of the situation is. And then they can correct you to um, maybe bring you a little bit closer to that understanding. Again, you're not going to completely understand a person's situation, no matter how much you talk to them, but it might bring you a little bit closer to understanding. Yeah, absolutely. I think another good tip with um, active listening is knowing that 
silence is okay. Mm. I think we're as a society, again, um, scared of silence. And so we want to fill it in with, um, you know, we want to fill it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's, <laughs> you're right. I, it's, I think it's funny because a lot of times when we're trying to fill in that silence, like you said, we're just filling it in with drabble. It's not helpful. It's not meaningful. It's not that everything you have to say has to be perfectly meaningful, philosophical, world-changing for this person, but it's okay to have that silence so you can both think about what was just said, and then you can really think and take that moment to think back about what they said and craft a response that um, you think has meaning. Yeah. Instead of just trying to fill it up with advice, for example, I feel like that's a moment that people take to, to give advice. I do too, because it's like, oh my gosh, I have to, I need to say something to fill this silence. But in in actuality, that person might actually just be ready to talk about the next thing that they're just like, okay, I'm, I had this moment with this conversation. Now I'm going to move on to this. And that silence allows that progression. That's exactly right. I've seen that during groups a lot where the whole room is quiet for a second. And Sometimes my group members look at me in a panic because every like sometimes they don't oh. like silence too. Do you have that? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, but then someone says something, or maybe I ask the next question because maybe there is uncomfortableness. But the importance is to allow that silence for a reason. It's a good way to break up the conversation and to allow for thought processes and even some uncomfortableness because sometimes that's. Um, that's what kind of leads to the next conversation. It's okay to be uncomfortable. Other than active listening, another way that we can help our family members is by offering to help them in practical ways. So in episode one, we talked about how maybe your family member doesn't want to make cookies anymore because they used to do that with grandma. Grandma's no longer there and they don't want to do it alone. So the way that you can practically help them is offer to maybe make those cookies with them if they're willing or to help them host for the holidays, take away some of the responsibilities that usually have on their plate. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is, um, you know, just getting out of bed sometimes is a task that people check off their list when they're grieving. And so offering to, like you said, take the responsibility of some of those physical things, like making the cookies, hosting at their house, um, I think could really be beneficial. Yeah. And it's important. I think I really want to concentrate on the importance of asking before you just go ahead and do it or assume, because that kind of brings us back to communication, active listening. You don't want to assume that the person doesn't want to host anymore because maybe they do. They might be hosting still to honor their family member that they lost or their loved one. So it's good to talk to them and to ask. Another thing that's often difficult during the holidays is expectation to buy presents for people. So something you can do to practically help them is offer to go with them to buy presents, help them out. I think that's a great point is just 
being supportive in those ways as well. Like, like you just said, going with them. Maybe that was something they at one time enjoyed doing by themselves, but because of them not having their person here, thinking about that is just so overwhelming. And so, you know, going to the store, being with them and knowing like, hey, if they have a breakdown because music, a scent, something they see at the store reminds them of their people or person, they'll have that support there with them. Yeah, exactly. Um, you've kind of mentioned here and there that you had uh, some like a situation with your, was it your grandparents who passed? Yeah. Did you find that that people offering practical help was good for you? Or did you have even anyone that offered that support? Um, you had talked about how your aunt, your mom tried to keep the tradition alive for your grandmother. Was there, did people reach out to you? Were there different things? Unfortunately, no. That's something that I think our family could have really needed in our situation. I saw my aunt and my mom really struggling. And we at the time had had tensions with other family members. So it would have been nice if, those tensions could have been overcome and people would have reached out more than they did, unfortunately. And do you think um, your mom and aunt felt the impact of not having people reach out to them? I w- I'm not them, so I can't completely give an answer, but based on my own understanding, I think so. I think it was it seemed like it was hard for them. I know it was hard for myself to not have those family members. I was young at the time, so I don't remember as much, but I do remember family members not being there and wishing they would have been. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was going to say from your perspective, being a child, you were able to recognize like, this isn't the way that it's usually meant to be. And you could tell there was tension. Yeah. And that there was a change. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm grateful for how my overall, my family handled the situation because I often, we often say, I'm not sure if you've heard the same thing that children are the unheard voices of grief. Yeah. So my family kept me up to knowledge and the best that they could at my young age about my grandma and kept me included with conversations with the holidays. And that's something that I incredibly appreciate, especially working with children now. I sometimes see the consequences of when family members don't ask children and talk to them. That's why if you are a family member or a loved one to a child who's grieving, it's incredibly important to include them as well and to advocate for them. Not only listen to what they say, but make sure that other people listen too, because a lot of times people aren't asking our kids what's going on. Yeah, I think that's a really incredible perspective that you're able to offer families to say like, hey, this is what happened to me. I was included and it made a difference in my life, Mm -hmm. you know, so. Yeah, 
It did. And we, um, we ended up finding other ways to honor grandma that helped to keep her memory alive for us in our situation. That's awesome. Yeah. How old were you when your grandparents passed? I was in my late twenties. Okay. So, so you're coming from a different perspective. Yeah. Interesting. I never lost anyone. Well, I lost an uncle when I was like 15. Did you have any, um, younger family members during that time that you had to kind of help support a bit? No, I didn't. Um, you know, I have younger cousins, but we were all in our twenties. Um, and they didn't live around me. So, um, yeah, my first experience with grief was, you know, as an older adult and, and even as a younger adult, there are probably a lot of changes you were going through that time. Were you, you said early 20s? Uh, late 20s. Uh, late 20s, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, so then maybe you're trying to um, get an apartment or do other things. So I'm sure that those life changes might, did they conflict at all with uh, the death? Was there like any other loss attached to that? I think I just didn't have an understanding of what I was feeling. Mm. I was in college at the time. And then I was, I decided to go um, and try to become a phlebotomy technician. So I did that training on the weekends, um, just kind of to avoid dealing with the emotions of, you know, of the loss And I can see that now back then I didn't know what I was doing, but Mm -hmm. now I can reflect back and say, that's exactly what I was doing. Um, Yeah. And how did that transfer into the holidays for you? Was that still a time where you were trying to kind of, was that still a time where you weren't sure about those emotions as well? How close was the death to the holidays? uh, He passed in September. So it was, you know, a few months, a couple months from Thanksgiving and Christmas. I would say, you know, definitely by Christmas, which Christmas Eve was the holiday with him and my Mm -hmm. grandma, we, um, it all came tumbling down pretty much, you know, Um, and I'm, I'm a crier usually, you know, normally. So on that day, it was just the floodgates were opened and, um, but that's, that's good. You know, it's good to let release those emotions as they come, not try to hold them in. Um, even though sometimes like my other family members, they're not comfortable with crying, but I just can't help it. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I can be the same. I can be the similar way. Yeah. When you were upset, did you have family members that supported your expression of emotion that kind of helped you at all? I mean, I know they are supportive, but I'm the type I don't want, you know what I mean? I don't want people to like hug me when I'm upset. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, let me do what I need to do. I'll come back around Um, but definitely, you know, my family's supportive. They love me and they're there for me, but it's kind of like, um, just let me be. Yeah. So that's a good point too, because sometimes the way that we want to support someone is not the way they want to be supported, supported. I mean, 
So you might want to give the person the hug, but they might not want one. So it's important to ask along the way too, is it okay if I help you with this? Is it okay if I give you a hug? Would you like some space? Instead of going in without that communication. Absolutely, because that can, you know, put, put up a wall. People might put up a wall thinking, oh, she's not respecting my boundaries or I just want to be left alone. And we might come off as defensive in that moment, not meaning to, but it's just because our emotions are so high, you know? Yeah. As a, as a different perspective, you were a younger child. Did you feel supported? I think, I think yes and no. Like I said, my family was really good with, my immediate family was really good with including me and not ignoring that grandma died. So that was helpful for me because I didn't feel like I couldn't ask questions. But as I kind of mentioned with other family members, there wasn't as much support because they simply weren't there because of previous tensions, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still think that's such an interesting perspective that you're able to have, especially with the role that you are in here with the Phoenix Center. So as a child, I didn't really realize um, what was helping me, what was not helping me as much, because as a kid, we're kind of in our own head. We're not really realizing in the moment, but as an adult, it's easy for me at least to look back and see what was helpful versus what wasn't. So with my family, the support that they offered me and allowing me to express my grief and with not any judgment, because how I, I can see now how I express that grief was by kind of chasing butterflies is what they called it. So I was just always in my own head and having a lot of imagination and they allowed me to have that because that was how I was able to kind of have some escapism. I can recognize that now as an adult. Um, whereas when I was in school, I didn't get that sort of support as much because when you're chasing butterflies, um, teachers might interpret that as you just simply not paying attention, not listening, disobedience. So as a teacher trying to support um, a child, because I think that's important too, whether during the holidays or not, it's good to know kind of what the situation is and to ask questions instead of assuming that the child is just being disobedient. So that's a way that a teacher can support children during a time like this. Asking questions, maybe not to the student because they might not have answers, especially if you're in kindergarten like I was. <laughs> I would just probably look at her and say, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or I would not say anything because like I said, I chase butterflies. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, asking the parents hey, I've noticed your kid is often spacey. Uh, is, have you noticed anything about that? Instead of assuming, 
So that's a good way that you can support not only the student, but the family members. Because yeah. once you ask that question, that leads to a whole new avenue of ways that you can offer support to that family or point them in the direction of support, like the Phoenix Center, for example. I think as a kid, I could have really used this service, but I didn't know about it. Right. And I don't think at the time it was around, but um, that's besides the point. Right. No, that's a great explanation. And I think it all ties back to communication and to gain an understanding, you know, because as a mm -hmm. child, your teacher probably, you know, assumed you weren't paying attention, but she, if she didn't know possibly that you had lost someone. Yeah. Yeah. And I do remember most of that coming to kind of a head around the holidays. I don't have specific memories of that, but I do know that there was like parent teacher conferences at the time. Yeah. So I can kind of piece together that I probably was a lot, um, how she saw it as disobedient, not actually disobedient during that time because it was my first holiday without grandma yeah so um you know you shared your story and I shared mine and something a common theme that I I I heard and I say is we became aware of our grief at the time we didn't necessarily know what we were dealing with but as time has gone on and we've you know, we've become more aware of it. And I think that's important in uh, our communication with our family members. So just being aware of your own grief, maybe, as you said earlier in the podcast, you weren't as close to that person, but you recognize that there's change, um, that there is some type of loss, whether it's of the person or change in tradition. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think what you, what you said kind of sparked another thought where, like you said, when we were in the midst of grief, we didn't completely understand what we were going through. And we need to realize as we're supporting our loved ones that they might not completely understand it, understand it as well. So there's acceptance there too, to accept that there might be some indecisiveness, there might be some I don't know. And that's okay. We have to accept that our family members are just trying their best and they might not completely understand what they're even going through. Yeah, I think that's a good, a good point. Um, one of the things with learning to accept, um, accept what is happening is try to accept the change. And so um, you want to really try to embrace your feelings. Are there any sort of tips that you have that help to, to help you to embrace that change or that you've seen and have helped maybe your group members to accept change? I think reflecting, creating a self-awareness really helps you understand why you might be feeling the, the way you are. Um, you know, when things happen, 
we want to try to know like what is upsetting me about this change was it because you're you're not going to be able to make cookies with your person or maybe you won't be having it at their house as you had every single Christmas your whole entire life um yeah I think a good follow-up to that is what is it that I believe will happen as a result of this change that will help you too for example with the cookies if I'm not making cookies does that mean I'm not um does that mean I'm not remembering grandma the way she would want to be remembered so kind of digging into the reason why you are afraid of this change might help you. I think that's a a great word. It's being afraid or a fear. You know, we have this fear that like, we won't be memorializing or remembering this person. And that change is going to possibly keep them out of our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you are that family member trying to support your loved one and you're afraid of the changes going on or the changes that they want, I think it's important to have that conversation with them. So maybe you can reach a better understanding. Hey, I don't, I'm afraid that if we don't make cookies this year, we won't be remembering grandma correctly. And then maybe they'll say, well, I feel like I can't remember grandma correctly if she's not there. And so maybe there's another way that you can try to piece that together. So that's a good way to have that communication. There's still a result in the end. There's still compromise that can be made. So it's also important to kind of help facilitate that sort of conversation with other loved ones who maybe maybe are also struggling to support their loved one or, and they just don't know, quite know how to. I think it's important to recognize that with change, that could mean um, there won't be stability and we can't expect stability within change sometimes. Yeah. And that's okay. It's okay to have a little bit of chaos in your life. So recognizing that it's okay to not have that stability because whether or not there is a there is a grief, holidays are hectic. And sometimes a grief will just amplify those feelings, that loss of control that you might have. And it's okay to have feelings of loss of control. Those are natural. So just being patient with yourself, with your loved one who has is really struggling with their loss, that's kind of how we can make our holiday the best that we can with the circumstances that we're given. Yeah. And I, I, um, I think patience, that's a huge thing, like having patience with ourselves and with others and knowing we aren't going to be able to support people perfectly. Right. Because Mm -hmm. we don't know 100% what they're going through. And I think just being able to say, ask them the right questions and letting them know, like, I'm here for you. And I, something I've heard too, is when you tell people reach out, as we said earlier, mm-hmm. well, I don't want to feel like a burden. It's important to continuously, 
I'm not saying every single day, (laughs) you need something from me, but maybe like once a week, if you haven't heard from them, just reaching out and saying, Hey, how are you doing? Um, yeah, it allows people to know, like they are available as they said, they're going to be, I'm not a burden. Yeah. Reaching out just once is not, is not how a person will feel like they're not a burden. Um, it's good to continually to reach out. Like you said, even if it's, it doesn't have to be like a two hour long phone call or whatever. It doesn't have to be a handwritten letter in calligraphy. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It can be a simple text. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think any, any opportunity just to let people know that you're thinking of them Mm -hmm. can go a very long way. Yeah, both through the holidays and after, because the holidays are a time when a lot of that grief comes to a head. There's a lot of struggling, but it's important to also continue that line of support even after the holidays. So checking in every once in a while, making sure they're doing okay. It doesn't have to be specifically, hey, how are you doing since blah, blah, blah died? Like, no, that's not what we're saying. Just say, how are you doing today? Do you want to go out to dinner? It doesn't necessarily need to be as specific as that. Just showing your support and allowing the person um, the opportunity to talk is what's important here. Absolutely. Kind of to recap this episode, um, we were talking about how, you know, you can support family members who are bereaved during the holidays. Um, you want to make sure that you try to actively listen. Yeah. And we also want to continue to have that communication, ask them how they need help and offer that help. Because sometimes we can't leave it up to the person to reach out. We need to reach out to them. And then through that, we need to also be aware of our own grief that we're feeling. Maybe it's the loss of that tradition. Yeah. And I think um, making sure to include children in the conversation, making sure that they know um, they can ask questions and feel supported too, in whichever way that they may be handling it. Mm-hmm. And I think the most, maybe one of the most important things to know is that if you're feeling that fear of reaching out, that you're going to mess up, it's okay to have those feelings, but to try at your best to push through them, because even if you do mess up, it's okay. We're not perfect here. You're still offering that support. Absolutely. So next episode, we will be talking about coping through the holidays. During that episode, we'll be taking Q&A. So any questions that you have from our previous episodes, we'll be answering. As well as you've heard Sarah and I's story a little bit. We'd love it if you could email us yours. Our emails are in the description box. Thank you for listening. I'm Sarah Kingsbury. And I'm Ashley Pendleton. And this is Grief.